This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Carm Capriato here, and join me each and every week for insights from my guest host and an industry first, a live virtual job tour, a Take the Automotive Trivia Challenge, Unwrap Your Fortune of the Week, and a whole lot more. The video version of this show is on aftermarketweekly.com. Hey, everybody, Carm Capriato. Good afternoon, aftermarketweekly.com. We're live as we always are each and every Tuesday at noon. Well, the most unique automotive aftermarket resource, I have to tell you, you know, we have a guest host, as you can see to my right, or is it your left? I'm not sure. Brian Sump is with us. He's going to come on and do a great segment. We also have a shop tour later in the show. We're going to be live virtually at Olmstead Auto Care in Olmstead, Ohio. But more importantly, we're here to have some fun and we have some trivia that we do, a lot of really cool stuff. So, Brian, welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm blessed, Carm. Always good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. Same here, man. We've we've done a lot of things lately. I want to bring on what I call the Brian Sump podography. Would you like to see that? Well, you know, you've heard of filmographies, right? <laughs> this is Brian's podography, owner, technician, and service advisor of the year. We had a great episode just a few weeks ago. You were, of course, uh, honored with the Apex 2020 Shop Owner of the Year, and we got together with your peers in that thing, uh, our technician and our service advisor of the year, and that was episode 606, just a couple of weeks back. You did a For the Record for me, Never Let Your Foot Off the Pedal, and of course, being a multi-shop operator, you've got all kinds of great knowledge about growth, so we did one on acquisition strategies, and then another town hall way back in Town Hall 75. We're at 208 now, but that was a while back, Brian, uh, when we got together. Am I ready for a branch store? And then our original solo interview was 244. We're now at like 609. And automotive background not needed. That was a great episode. It says, hey, I I never turn wrenches and I'm a successful shop owner. So stop the excuses. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I guess. Yeah. We all, we all have excuses. We all do. I invent them and write them down so that I can reuse them. So thank you so much for your support of the show. Um, let's talk about what our agenda is going to be for today. Brian is going to come on and talk about building in eight minutes. I mean, I'm not sure that we're going to get the essence of what you want, Brian, but we can't. But I can't wait to hear your story and the passion that you have building a number two in command. Of course, we're going to do a shop tour with Corey Valdi. Give you your weekly fortune trivia and more. And as I said before, we were going out to see Corey. By the way, everyone, Aftermarket Weekly is now a podcast. So wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, say it's Apple as an example, then go to Apple, type in Aftermarket Weekly and subscribe so that every time we release the episode each and every week as we repurpose this, you get a chance to hear it while you're mobile. And I have to tell you something that's so cool, Brian. Listening to the show through audio, even though it was a, it was a virtual tour, is really kind of neat because you have a chance yourself to think about what you know the shop owner is showing. Well, here's my brand new lifts, and you have a chance to think that through yourself, even though you're not watching the video. But you can see the video on my website. I mean, you can no no problem doing that. Hey, a trivia. Let's talk about the trivia we're going to do. Who was responsible for the introduction of the Ford Mustang in 1964? I know that many of us guys with gray hair know the answer to that. 
But I'll bet you there's a bunch of young people that don't know who was responsible and pushed so hard for the Ford Mustang. Okay. Hey, important brand new item from Dorman. Dorman products are continuously pursuing innovations and solutions to help the aftermarket take share from the OE. Now, one great example of this innovative spirit is Dorman's electronic power steering rack or EPAS. Dorman has spent over three years developing this complex technology, and they've rigorously tested it at Ford's original testing location for the same F-150 rack. The best part is not about availability or anything like that, although it was previously dealer-only. A free calibration tool is provided, and when plugged into the OBD2 port, bam, it's calibrated. The rack is ready to go, no need for flashing or bringing the vehicle to the dealer to calibrate. The steering rack and pinion is now an in-and-out job, thanks to Dorman. Hey, want to really go under the hood? We'll take the Dorman virtual tour on the web at dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Man, thank you so much to Dorman for bringing you the Aftermarket Weekly Show each and every week. Hey, um, you know I do the other, you know, I do a, a live show, Carmcast, every once in a while. We're doing one tomorrow, but, you know, like clockwork each and every week, the Town Hall Academy. And uh, creating deep ties to your community. That's coming up this Friday. It's going to be a great show. How do you not have deep ties to your community? But yet we find, Brian, that uh, some shops need a boost or a push or an idea. And that's what this show is about. Hey, man, I'm ready. I I just can't wait. Uh, Building a great number two. Um, Appreciate you coming on and sharing this with us. Yeah, Carm. Well, so just for the the record, so uh, I was born in 1980. I can either choose millennial or Gen X. And <laughs> yeah. I think I know the, the trivia question. Who okay. was responsible for Ford Mustang? Uh, Ford. Yeah, Ford. very good answer. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, very good. Yeah, thank you, sir. I know you were about to, you're like teeing me out. So uh, here we go. Are we ready to roll with this? No, I was just I was just trying to do that on the edge. I'm on the verge of being a millennial or a Gen X. I love that. Got it. Got it. Okay. You know, here's what is uh, I've been passionate about lately. I'm, a, I'm coaching a client currently, Carmen, and uh, we're, we're on this topic about how to how to groom, how to create a number two in command for your organization. There's a lot of reasons a person would want to do this. It can be as simple as wanting to be able to have the shop run smoothly. If you want to go on a week or two vacation in the Bahamas. Uh, it can be a, a growth strategy, certainly imperative. If you're looking to go multi-store operations, or even if you're trying to grow a big store, you know, we, you and I both know several operators that have three, four, five million dollar a year stores, and you need to have additional leaders in your organization to do that. Yeah. And so a couple of years ago, I've been asked to teach at Ratchet and Wrench uh, pretty much every year. And a couple of years ago, I did a workshop on uh hiring, recruiting, and retention, and all these kind of things. And, and one of the funny things I teach in that is say, look, as shop owners, when we are advertising for a position, especially a technician, we get pretty enamored when somebody actually responds, uh, communicates well, and shows up and proves a little bit of aptitude. And we get a little, and so we have this propensity to, to sort of hire the first candidate that walks in the door. I mean, it, maybe not to that extreme, but I know that we are not very diligent in hiring as small business owners that are caught in the day-to-day operations of our store. Interestingly enough, while I will use that metaphorically and say, you probably aren't going to be hiring the first candidate that walks in the door by the law of averages. Interestingly, my number two in command, my director of operations, Phil Carpenter, who you know pretty well, uh, and actually many in the industry know, was the first employee that I hired. 
And that is definitely not the norm. Uh, But what that's afforded me to do over the last 13 and a half years is really assess and and try to understand, like, why do we work so well together? How do we complement each other? And really, what were the patterns that Phil went through or, you know, that that we were able to see happening with him and I in order to kind of help other business owners or shop owners achieve that? One thing that I'm that I believe is when you're a business owner, you're going to be wearing many, many hats. You might wear all the hats. You might wear most of the hats or some of the hats. I don't think that we should or that we need to be wearing hats of roles or things that we really don't want to be doing. We shouldn't be spending a lot of our time with the things that deplete us. If you are a technician, highly introverted, and you came from the tech side, which I know there are many that are probably listening that fall into that category, you may not really thrive on customer interaction. You may not thrive on conflict resolution. You may not thrive on HR and things like that. So one of the a good thing that you can do to start this whole journey off is say, what are three things that I hate doing in my business? I really don't like doing those things. And it's something to keep in mind as you are building out your business is how do I delegate the things that I shouldn't be doing or don't want to be doing? And I'm just going to leave that out as an overarching uh, theme. And not that that should guide every decision you make in building a number two, but I do believe that it's worth consideration and, and worth some meditation on. Okay. So in our world, much like uh, folks like Brian Gossel and, and Phil Christensen, by the way, if your name's Brian and you're looking for a number two in command, start with somebody named Phil. That's a great starting point. Um, Brian and I both have Phil's as our number two. I know. <laughs> uh, David Asquith, uh, Doug Rills in, in Maryland, um, and, you know, Ty and the Pride More crew in Denver. There's, there's some of these guys that have been with the company 10, 20 years, even Dwayne Myers, uh, as he came up through the rank at Dynamic in Maryland. So there are people out there that have gone through this strategy. And I'm going to talk more about building a number two, more or less from within, because there are people who have hired an integrator or a COO or a director of operations, or even a CEO from the outside and and groom them. But I think that I want to spend a couple minutes talking about grooming your own. So what are the benefits of that? Well, when you grow your own and you find somebody within, most likely your culture will be deeply rooted and inculcated into that person. In other words, the DNA of the organization, the values, the mission, the reason you exist, how you do things, the quote unquote, you know, in our world, urban auto care way is deeply rooted in that person. And that means that when times get tough or their backs against the wall or they're highly stressed, they're not going to default to other ways or their own way. They're going to default to the ways that they were brought up in and taught. So let's talk about some of the things that you're going to be looking for and sort of this the strategic process of looking for a number two in command. Brian, let me stop you. I, I'm sorry. I know you're on a great role, but you're talking about finding an internal candidate. I'm talking about finding an internal candidate for, for the sake of this conversation. Yes. Uh, there's other ways to do it looking for outside. Okay. But focus on internal. I think one of the most important things that you need to uh, gr- get your mind around and focus on is, is that the most tenured person doesn't have to be the default number two in command. And don't get cornered into awarding somebody a promotion for any position just because they've been there the longest. That can and will get you into trouble. Now, is there merit for awarding somebody and acknowledging tenure? Yes, there is tremendously. But I just want to encourage you to look with a couple of things we'll talk about today. Look for these things and assess these things and see if that longest tenured person happens to be the right fit. And if not, uh, then you need to plan otherwise. Okay. so first and foremost, where do you want the company to be in three or five and even 10 years? 
you can't see out 10, start with three and come up with an ideal there and write it down or paint a couple paragraphs of a picture for that. And next, establish what you need to do to get there. And, and what are the barriers to accomplishing that? And what are the places in the business, the roles and responsibilities that are going to need to be tackled that maybe you're not tackling or can't tackle in order to get there? Uh, I think it's really important to define why you want this. Maybe you have somebody in your company that, that has been around and, and they're an emotional leader and, and you really want to groom them. That's great. But if they don't understand where you want to go and why you want to go there, it's called vision. Uh, it's going to be really hard for them to uh, come along and find synergy in that journey. Then we'll get into the aptitude and the desire part. Okay. And so um, I'll talk about a strategic meeting. This is one of the things I talked about with, with one of my clients was, was how to have this meeting with somebody that he had identified as the clear candidate to be the number two in command. And they want to grow multiple stores and all these sorts of things. Okay. And so I think you need to talk about a strategic meeting and you need to get outside of the shop on neutral ground, maybe over a dinner uh, or maybe, you know, on the weekend or something where there's no distractions and talk about what you're going to try to accomplish in this meeting. Uh, you know, build some rapport and things like that, but get to a place where you both can focus. And I think one of the, the key aspects of these conversations that you're going to be having with somebody that you think is a number two in command. Uh, and by the way, let's back up just a step. Maybe Carm, we should, and I'm trying to fit this within eight minutes, which is, which is a great challenge. Maybe I'm going to stop for a minute before I talk about this meeting and say, okay, Brian, what are the key attributes uh, that you would look for in a number two before we even talk about the meetings to have once you've identified that person? I would, I would say this. One, are they highly loyal? Richard Flint used to talk about one hump and two hump camels are going to get you through the desert. Are they loyal people? Uh, are they trustworthy? Do you believe that they will make a, the right moral choice when temptations go on all around them or when their character is tested? Have they proven that every time they're pushed and held accountable for something, are they constantly making progress? When you teach them how to handle the phones, did they execute and implement that? When you teach them dispatch, did they execute that? Are they estimating properly? Are they building rapport with the team? And, and those sorts of things. And that's one thing about my Phil is, is that he started as a tech and he learned how to write service as an advisor. He learned how to become a manager. We won national awards. Uh, he learned how to run his own store. And there was a pattern with him. And every time he was stretched or his lid, you know, in the law of the lid uh, terms, his lid was raised. He stepped up to the challenge and he executed. And we look that for that in our district managers. We look for that in our store managers. And are they always improving, making progress? Uh, what you don't want to see is hitting that wall, if that makes sense. Man, I have to tell you something. Uh, we're, we're at our time. I'm sad to say that I could go on and, and listen for I've got so many questions. Let me agree to your point about the tenured person. It goes back to apprenticing the same thing. You don't pick your oldest, longest term technician who doesn't want to be a teacher to be uh, an apprentice's mentor. One of my big takeaways when you were talking about crystallizing your vision and, you know, figuring out what your barriers are and all the roles. It's such a great exercise, Brian, because I think in your own mind, someone creams to the top. Because, you know, you know your people better than anybody. You, you've worked with them. You've hired them. You've tolerated them. You've supported them. You've coached them. But I think to your point, until you can really write it down and realize what you don't want to do in the company is who's going to step up and do, and do those things and be, uh, if you will, the number two. I love the, the, the number two idea. I think I pulled that from Star Trek once. Hi, I'm number two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. 
Right. And this thing is worthy of a much deeper session than what you gave it. I don't know, crazy me to think we could do this thing in, in eight minutes, but we can't. But here's the deal. Brian's a, a great shop owner and, of course, a coach inside the industry for Transformers Institute. And uh, we need to bring him back and do this a, a little deeper. But I'm sure you could always reach out to Brian in some form or fashion and maybe get some really good advice from him. Way unworthy of the time we gave it. But but let, let me say this. That's why you're here, everybody. We do this kind of stuff. Yeah, we go into in depth, but you know, I've I've just discovered that aftermarket weekly uh, needs to have he- less weighty subjects. <laughs> that might be the case. You know, if nothing else, car maybe gears are turning for some folks, and uh, and starting to think about those things. Absolutely. So uh, this was very good because I don't care how you look at read a book, listen to a podcast. You're going to take an idea, but you got to make it your own. you got to build on it. So we can't teach you how to create and build a quality number two, but we can teach you about what you need to do to get there. Teach you to fish. Yeah, teach him to fish. Brian Sum, thank you so much. By the way, let's do, let's do our fortune of the week. Ready? Here is, here's our fortune of the week. Brian, this is your fortune, and of course, it's Corey's fortune. Corey's coming up here in a minute. Uh, we've had some fabulous ones come out of this thing. Here it is. The one who would be constant is in happiness must frequently change. The one who would be constant in happiness must frequently change. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. You can't be, I don't think you can be happy forever because uh, life changes around you, right? Things change and you have to reinvent what happiness means. How cool. Very wise. <laughs> very, very wise. Hey, uh, a friend of yours uh, just did a podcast with me that released today. It was a great, great episode. I mean, they got hammered with COVID in uh, Dynamic Automotive. Uh, Dwayne's company is a partner in it. And so he came on and shared, you know, what they did right many years ago to lead them to how they were able to come out. It's a perfect proof of concept episode and how they survived uh, 18 members with COVID. And of course, I know you probably know the backstory on that, Brian. And also this week, we did a uh, last, it was last Friday, uh, the service manager, Colleen Yarger, buys Mark's Independent at 29 years old. She was the service advisor there. And she's got a great story of how she started in the industry. She worked in hospitality. 10 years later, she's a shop owner. It's a great, great story. You should check it out. And uh, I think... I think we are ready for our shop tour. Hey, Corey. Hello. Olmsted Automotive. Olmsted, hey, we're going to put you center stage, and we just can't wait to, to see your joint. Absolutely. You ready, bud? This is our shop, Olmsted Auto Care. Got it. Lovely, sunny Ohio today. We're a seven-bay facility. We did some light remodeling during COVID when we were kind of shut down a little bit. So when we come in here... This is our reception area. Hey, did I see a refrigerator under the counter? What? Oh, the refrigerator? Yeah. It's under the yeah. counter. Look at that. I love it. So we just have our refreshments yep. standing underneath for our clients. Do customers ask you how much or do they know that they can take them? So this is all for clients. Perfect. And, and, they, and it's free to clients, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, normally when I'm up here on the weekends with my four-year-old son, he likes to scavenge through there as well. <laughs> I'm sure he does. So then uh, we come into our shop here. From the uh, front office, we have a couple of, uh, as you can see, desktops there. 
where uh, customers can get written up at. We have our bathroom here, which, uh, you know, just a simple washroom. And uh, we have our service manager who her station is right here because of the view that she can get just from here. Got it. So we can see a straight line throughout the entire shop and know our shop floor. This is our back office where our service advisors, when they're not up front with a customer, when they're just uh, building estimates and quotes, they're back here just building up estimates. You know, they can tell if, if Mary up front needs some assistance because we have the, the camera that's up there showing up front. That way, without a delay, they can just go up there and help out when they need to. So every computer is set up as their own individual user. So if they go to a different computer, they can switch on their own account and they'll be fine. I got multiple printers all over the place just for efficiencies. So they're tied to the location so that the person sitting here will automatically print on that printer there. They don't have to hunt around for it. You know, even Beth has her own printer over here. So a lot of this we did in April and May of this year. We painted the entire shop. We coated our floors with the epoxy coat and kind of reorganized a lot of it because we weren't always this way. But we have our incoming part shelf, incoming and outgoing. So we have our returns on the bottom and then um, the incoming up on top. That way Beth can also see it from her desk through the Bay 1 and be able to grab any parts and from there where they go is right around this not too far from her so we're always trying to make things that are efficient as possible you know you can see that she clearly labels them technician name repair order number customer name that way the technician knows what part that goes on to now he's got a paperwork order and he's got a digital work order because we are a full digital shop using DVIs. Corey, I want to stop you for a minute. Brian, uh, th th what I just saw by putting a tag on a part is truly a lean concept. I mean, as far as I don't have to look and worry, it is shaving minutes probably off of every transaction. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And here we have, um, you know, vehicles that are needing to be checked out. We have our ones that are waiting for our parts here. Once parts arrive, they come into our waiting for service. So once everything comes, we'll make sure that we check them all off, all the parts on the work order, put the keys and everything in there, and the technician will know order of operation of which one they need to take. So you said you're digital, but you actually mean you still use paper. You're not paperless. I use both. You use both. Paper, it's got its benefits just for note taking, but many of many of our stuff we actually have a, a back sheet on our repair order and this is mostly for the service advisors but also for some of the technician notes and also our promise times we also duplicate that in our sms system but our sms system like i said is completely digital up here i don't know how well you guys can see that we have our shop flow digitally so we have what's waiting for inspection what's waiting to get an estimate done What's estimate is in progress, waiting for approval, waiting for parts, waiting for service, in work, needs invoicing, and completed. And those are all things that the, the technician doesn't need to look at the racks. They can clearly just look up above their bays and see where they're at. The cool thing about it, you know, for technicians, they can also see how many build hours are up there for them, what's available to them. We also use labor tracking, so on their computer, they can see how many hours have already completed and gone out the door, 
now they can look and see how many hours they still have available to them. So that's really cool. Our original four bays, because we were only a four bay shop up until about eight or nine years ago, ended where these breakout walls are. And then what we did in 2012 is we added these three bays and put in some truck lifts so that we can get some some bigger vehicles up here. Are you doing much fleet work, Corey? Yes. We have a fleet that has a ton of like transit connects and Azuzu NPRs and some other big F350s, 450s and 550s that we need to service. This area of the shop is a little bit more wide open, but you know, still serves a purpose. This is the screen down here. It's the same thing as what I showed you down below. But it's in for these two technicians that are working out of these bays, they can they can have their own screen here. I saw three screens like that. So that's how many you have. There's two that are out in the bays, oh. but any computer can be turned into this. Okay. All right. So the way that I made this, I actually put this in before this company had it available to use like this. I built a micro PC. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to this stuff. And I just plugged it into a flat screen TV and I made it work that way. Now, when this happened, there was all kinds of bugs and stuff in the system. It wouldn't do live updates and some other things. And they remoted in for an entire day just to see how this was working. And uh, they fixed a lot of it. Good, good for you, good for you. Another waste oil furnace that we have down here. Those save us a ton here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, the, the people in Florida keep saying, what's that? <laughs> I got to tell you, that floor does look good. Yes, yes. The epoxy coat definitely helped help clean it up, um, brighten the shop up, too, without adding lights. We were that shop where you had just bare concrete, but it made it darker. So, yep. you know, and as a technician, you know, you drop a socket or something. Any time spent looking for that is just top, down time. You could see it a little bit easier now. Well, this was just great, Corey. Uh, Brian, any observations or questions? Corey, I think you've got a nice-looking operation there, man. And, uh yeah. Yeah, it's rocking. You can see that we try to make things so that it's efficient for a technician. Like, you know, we got all our oil and stuff here. That way they're not running all around. You know, this is something that we just put in because one of my guys, he told me he doesn't use the torch because it was a pain to, to get out. So we basically put in a big torch reel. In Ohio, we get a lot of salt and rust, so this gets used quite a bit. But it was always difficult to pull out and then put away. Now on a reel, that's automatic. They pull it out, bring it over to their job site because it will reach every corner of this shop, and then they just put it right back. Burn it. Never seen one for for uh, heat, only for air hoses. That's that's really cool. Yes. Well, this was great, Corey. Thank you. Uh, very a very enlightening tour. Uh, I love it. Very organized, and it looks like the the team is uh, is really embraced the the systems. I mean, there it is. There we all saw this. If there was an underlying thing, it was systems and processes that I saw a lot, Brian. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And congrats on the remodel. It looks nice up front there, Corey. So you did a good job. Yeah, yeah, thank you. All right, guys. Hey, thank you so much. Hang in there with us, Corey. Flip your screen around. We're going to do our trivia now. Who is responsible for the introduction of the Ford Mustang in 64? I know my friend Bill Nalu had the answer. It is Lee Iacocca, of course. And I would hope that many of you absolutely had to know that. Of course, you know, Lee then went to Chrysler a little while later. And every once in a while, people say that he was the guy who was the father of the caravan. And But there was a whole bunch of people responsible for that. But, of course, Lee was 
headstrong on building that pony car. And I did an interview with Giuliano Zaccato. At the time, I think Giuliano was 84 years old, and he was one of the original clay modelers of the 64 Mustang. And Giuliano tells the story of how he came over from Italy, he had to go to Canada, that he had tuberculosis of the bone, and he wasn't a sculptor, he was a woodworker. And he takes us inside with, with Henry Ford II and, and, and everybody who helped build the car and how they were looking at it and the job that he did in helping build that very famous side indent that is built on that car. It is such a fun episode to listen to. I got to know Giuliano pretty well. I submitted this podcast to the um, Motor Trend Guild, and I won the podcast of the year back then from them, uh, the Motor Press Guild. And then I did another episode with Giuliano. He is unfortunately not with us anymore, but it was a great memory and a great friend, uh, the Mustang Man. Hey, next week, we're going to have Kim Walker on the show from Shop Marketing Pros. We're going to talk a little about marketing, maybe SEO stuff. And Roy Foster from Foster's Automotive Reno, Nevada, is going to be with us. Thank you, guys, uh, to Corey Evaldi and Brian Sump for being here, guys. Uh, appreciate it so, so much. If you want to do a shop tour, Carmet Remarkable Results.biz or reach out to me through social media or anything like that. Love to show your shop and come on and, and share and spread some of your wisdom. Brian, some thanks for the number two a motivation to find great leaders in your shop. And Corey, nice place. You know, Corey was born in Buffalo. His dad's shop is still running in Lackawanna, New York. And he's, he's a Buffalo boy like me. Sorry about your bills, guys. Yeah, well, it's okay. It was a good year, though. It was a good run. Who would have thought? Thanks, guys. Appreciate you being here.